Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. As consumers settle into living with the threat of the coronavirus and better understand their grocery needs while staying at home, their priorities inevitably will shift from panic purchasing any and all products to stocking their pantries more selectively with those that not only nourish them, but also their communities and the planet. During the Consumer Brands Association's inaugural session of its new leadership education series, CPG Speaks, General Mills CEO Jeff Harmoning this week told the food and beverage industry that if it wants to maintain the consumer engagement and sales that have surged since the outbreak began, then it cannot drop the ball on sustainability or innovation while simultaneously executing against the day-to-day demands of the pandemic. Indeed, the consumer research firm the Hartman Group noted in a recent blog post that current events, including the pandemic and anti-racist movement, have pushed many consumers to reflect more closely on their values and those of the companies they support, elevating the already heightened importance of sustainability. But the Hartman Group also notes that sustainability isn't limited to the planet. It also includes behaving responsibly towards workers, communities, and the environment, according to its Sustainability 2019 Beyond Business as Usual report. Answering this call to action, ingredient supplier Tate & Lyle recently announced ambitious new environmental targets to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, eliminate coal from its operations, reduce water use and waste, while simultaneously creating new opportunities for and improving the lives of the farmers with whom it partners. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Tate & Lyle, Director of Sustainability, Anna Pierce, walks us through these ambitious goals, discusses the importance of partnerships to improve sustainability, and shares why it's vital that industry expand its definition of sustainability to align with consumers' perceptions of it. According to the Hartman Group, consumers' definitions of sustainability has evolved over the years from simply saving the earth in 2007 to become by 2019 shorthand for a complete moral system of cultural values, beliefs, and attitudes related to a sense of responsibility for the greater good and for generations to come. According to Pierce, Tate and Lyle's purpose of improving lives for generations reflects this evolution as does the three pillars that support its mission, which include helping people choose healthier foods and beverages, supporting the community, and caring for the planet. Tate Mile is on a journey as a purpose-driven organization, um, and the purpose is improving lives for generations. So there's three pillars of how we demonstrate that commitment. Um, it's supporting healthy living and the products that we make, um, that enable consumers to choose healthier options. Um, it's working to build thriving communities, so support the communities where we're, we're operating and our employees are living and working. Um, and then it's caring for our planet. It's very difficult to say that you're improving lives for generations if you're not thinking about your environmental footprint. Um, and for us, that was an area that we had opportunity to really build um, a more robust sustainability program that reflected the ambitions of the company um, and, and reflected the trajectory that we were on. So, 
So we spent the better part of the last year and a half really thinking about what it was that we wanted to do. And as we were setting targets and programs, we kept asking, if we look back in 10 years, will we feel like we've done enough? Um, And that was an important reference point in all of our discussions. So with our executive team, with our board of directors, it always came back to, are we doing enough? Could we be doing more? Um, And will we be proud of the targets that we've set and the goals that we're working on and the programs that we've been standing up? Um, And if the answer wasn't yes, then it was time to go back and, and continue to refine them. To set goals that could pass this gut check, Tate & Lyle reviewed and updated its emissions inventory to create three scopes of work, the first two of which focused internally on how Tate & Lyle could create change, and the third calls on its entire supply chain to participate and improve operations. Within these first two scopes, Tate & Lyle aims to reduce absolute emissions by 30% by 2030, with a midpoint of 20% by 2025, and a 15% absolute reduction in emissions within its supply chain in Scope 3. Part of the company's plan to achieve this is by eliminating the use of coal from its operations by 2025. We focused to remove coal from our operations um, by 2025, in in part because of the significant um, impact on the environment. It also, from a a productivity standpoint, changing to uh, a natural gas um, combined heat and power system is just also more efficient. Um, so for us, we've, we have been working over previous years to replace um, coal with natural gas. We just announced in early June our latest project, which is at our Lafayette South plant in Indiana, um, and we are investing in a new cogen facility there. It's a $75 million investment. Um, and it's really part of our productivity program that's committed to um, investing to deliver productivity results. And once, you know, projects like this that have a significant environmental footprint um, become very easy to say yes to. Um, we also have two of the only corn wet mills in the industry that are certified by the U.S. EPA as Energy Star, um, and that's something that we're we're proud of that we're taking those steps forward proactively um, rather than reactively. For the first time, Tate and Lyle also set a goal to reduce water use by 15 percent by 2030, which Pierce says will require the company to rethink its operations and make being more environmentally conscious part of the way it does business. As a corn wet miller, you tend to use a lot of water in the process. And as we talk about our environmental footprint, um, water wasn't something that we had a reduction on. So if you don't have a target, um, most companies tend to not make a lot of progress in that area. And operating without a water reduction target just didn't really fit into the ambitions of our company when it comes to caring for the planet. Um, So we... We spent a year working with a consultant to really understand what the risk was, where our opportunity was. We've hired a full-time engineer dedicated to water reduction projects. Um, It's melding into our continuous improvement strategy 
and productivity projects. So it's just becoming a part of the way that we do business um, and the way that we think about our operations, and we can do that and be more environmentally conscious, which is why we set the first um, water reduction target this year. Finally, Tate & Lyle is also committed to becoming a zero-waste company by 2030 and to redirect 75% of waste to useful means by 2025. While ambitious, Pierce said that the company's already made strides with facilities that already are zero-waste. We have facilities uh, such as in the UK which are, which are um, zero-waste facilities. And part of that is because of the products that we make, we have the ability to oftentimes use those products in, in a way that's beneficial. So often they're land applied as parts of fertilizer. Um, they go into animal feed. So there's naturally a, a market for those products to be useful um, and that, that we're making a product that's, that's usable by another consumer versus landfilling. Um, I think that we will get to a place in the process where we do use the products perhaps as part of um, a waste-to-energy program. But it's, it's really our focus to make sure that we're using the products as beneficially as we can, including our waste streams, um, and that where we do have waste streams left over, that they're not going into landfill. Um, just, just working to reduce that environmental footprint as much as possible. Even though much of Tate & Lyle's efforts are internally focused, it recognizes that to make real change, it could not tackle the problems hindering sustainability alone, which is why it's partnered with players across its entire value chain. For example, Tate & Lyle teamed with Terra, which was formerly Land O'Lake Sustain, to help Midwest corn farmers understand the impact of sustainable practices not just on their crops and the earth, but also on their bottom lines. In 2018, we started a pilot program on a little over 300,000 acres with Truterra, that's formerly um, known as Land O'Lakes Sustain. And Land O'Lakes controls 50% of the harvested acres in the U.S. They're also a grower-owned cooperative. So when we started to look for a partner to really build a sustainable agriculture program around corn, um, it was important for us that the program that we were offering to farmers and the solutions that we were asking them to implement were beneficial to them. Um, and then it wasn't us asking and, and hoping that it worked out um, so that the farmer actually was able to both improve their environmental stewardship, but then also improve their profitability. So one of the strong links to why we selected Truterra was because they do have this aim of improving growers' environmental stewardship and their profitability. So growers can run scenarios to determine if I implement conservation practice um, like cover crops or no-till, what's the impact look like on my field and my fields that make up my farm and then also their profitability. So the growers that enroll into the program are able to run scenarios with the support of their ag retailers to understand the environmental benefits of implementing a conservation practice like cover crops, and then also look at the profitability of doing so. 
And if the grower is not going to be profitable implementing that conservation practice, then that's not the right conservation practice for their field or their farm. Um, it's, it's not going to be sustainable if they're losing money doing it. So that was one of the key components to us partnering with Truterra um, as we built the sustainable agriculture program. Now in 2019, coming on the heels of that um, successful pilot, we enrolled 1.5 million acres of farmland into the sustainable agriculture program through Truterra. Um, and that represents Tate and Lyle's global annual corn procurement volume. That's a metric that we track every year. We'll obviously adjust our enrollment um, with Truterra to make sure that all of the corn that we're procuring, its equivalent is enrolled in our sustainable agriculture program. For us, the partnership with Truterra is, was primarily driven by two things. When you look at the volume of raw materials that we procure, corn is far and away the highest volume. So the ability to really have environmental impact and a significant environmental impact had to start with where, had to start with the raw material that we were procuring the most of, and that was corn. Um, following up from that, we also looked at our customers' needs and what consumers were asking for. So we've partnered with several customers to offer them sustainable solutions um, through our partnership with Truterra. So our customers are able to opt in, they're able to make responsible sourcing claims and continuous improvement claims on their um, sustainability programs, as well as scope three emissions reductions, in part because of our partnership with Truterra. So it really is bringing that entire value chain along with us. The partnership with Truterra is far from the only one that Tate and Lyle has forged when it comes to improving sustainability. Late last year, it also joined with its Stevia partner, Sweet Green Fields, and the environmentally focused nonprofit, Earthwatch, to assess the sustainability of the Stevia sweetener supply chain, a move that Pierce said was the next natural choice. So we launched a study with Earthwatch, um, which is an NGO, to understand the environmental impact of Stevia production. Um, we, we have the results back from that assessment and we're in the process now of designing a sustainable agriculture program and grower outreach program around stevia production. Um, so that's very much a work that's in progress. Um, for the rest of our raw materials that we're procuring, we have a risk assessment and we look at the environmental impact and the um, social impact down to the raw material that that ingredient um, is sourced from. So for us, sometimes it's based on risk, Sometimes it's based on corporate um, social responsibility factors. Um, and we also weigh into that really business growth as well as inquiries and desires by our customers to partner with us. Um, and for us, Stevia became the next natural choice. So that's a, that's a continual process um, of really looking at what we're procuring, what the impact is, um, where our growth opportunities are and partnership opportunities are in saying this is the next ingredient that we build a program around. Some programs are um, bigger than others and some of them are faster than others, but, but that's the, the plan and the path that we're on. 
A key element on which Pierce says that the success of these programs will hinge, and which she says all food and beverage companies should consider as they evaluate their environmental impact, is the ability to look at sustainability from a holistic view and incorporate the needs of all stakeholders, rather than dictating overly prescriptive programs or taking a micro view of only one problem at a time. I really look at sustainability and sustainable agriculture programs around looking at that holistic picture. Are we asking the farmer to do something more than what we ourselves would do? Um, And to incentivize growers to implement cover crops for a few years, some growers may need a couple couple more years on top of that to be incentivized to really see the profitability. Um, And I think some of those very prescriptive programs have um, some shortcomings. And I like the program that in that we talk about it's a grower-owned cooperative. It is it the right thing for the growers because ultimately if it's the right thing for the growers and it's the right thing for their livelihoods and the environment, that's a very hard thing to say no to. Um, and I think that's a more sustainable solution to really look at that whole community picture um, rather than look at it in a very um, micro view of, of one problem that we're going to tackle. Um, I also think that there's strengths in numbers. So it's not about one company working on a sustainability program because in some way they all overlap. Um, we're all very much trying to achieve the same thing. Um, maybe we have different paths to get there, but everyone that's having a sustainable agriculture program or a dialogue around it, we're all going after the same thing. Um, and I think that's, that's part of it. It's just the transparency and the sharing best practices and that very open um, discussion about what's working and what's not working. Um, and I think the other component is really knowing from a sustainable agriculture perspective that you're not on that journey alone um, and that For every single one of us, there's a stakeholder, whether it be NGOs, nonprofits, um, government agencies, universities, that are all working on the same thing. And um, for us, it was very much our customers that are working on the same thing and have similar goals and ultimately meeting those consumers' expectations. I see a lot of opportunity where we really look to pull groups of people together that have a similar interest to advance sustainability at large, um, that's where you really see the impact. But before stakeholders can share best practices or even move the needle on sustainability, Pierce said they need to set concrete goals and get buy-in from the top to ensure that there's a coordinated effort and accountability. With that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.